when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Wim Lu. This episode, along with every episode of the Raptors Over Everything Podcast this season, is brought to you by our sponsor, KFC. So, I'm recapping the Toronto Raptors 110 to 104 loss to the uh, Philadelphia 76ers and um I got to say this is this is probably their most frustrating game of the season. Um you know they have what lost 3 in a row, they have lost what eight games on the year. There's other games to pick from. There really are. Like the Bucks game was frustrating cuz they fell down so big so early. Uh you know the the Mavericks game was just straight up hard to watch cuz they had no energy and they were shorthanded. Uh the Clippers game kind of the same way. But at least they fought hard and stayed in that game. Uh, you know, the, even the Rockets game, that was frustrating. But at least they tried to execute something and they just didn't make enough plays on the stretch. I guess you could say the same thing about the Heat. But tonight, this was just kind of a... They just looked disorganized. They just looked like they didn't know what to do out there. And and that's something you can't really say about this team. I, I think in general, Nick Nurse has done a really good job of coaching this team. Um, he's really gotten them to sort of produce sort of above the talent. And, uh, in, in, in many ways, this team has won a lot of games by having more continuity than the other team, by being more prepared than the other team and catching other teams by surprise in terms of how hard they play, how well they execute and how athletic they are in general. And you just didn't see any of that tonight, like offensively, defensively, everything was just out of rhythm. And, and you can look at the scoreline. You can say, well, it's only a six-point loss, and you were playing on the road in Philadelphia. That's not not easy. But, I mean, th- th- first off, this wasn't really a six-point game. Like, the Raptors trailed by 20 for most of this game, uh, at least 15 for most of this game. And, and you know, and it wasn't even like the Sixers were playing amazing basketball. Like, if the Sixers came out here, executed everything. Joel Embiid was dunking everybody, doing the airplane. And, you know, Tobias Harris, well, he did this thing tonight. Uh, but if Ben Simmons is doing his thing and everyone else is just flying around and the, and the bench is producing, and it's like, all right, cool. That's great. They're supposed to be a great team and they played great tonight. You know, maybe you tip your hat to them. But it's not like the Sixers played that well. Like the Sixers just they missed a bunch of shots. Like, yeah, they got some guys that got hot, whatever. But like, you know, they were missing some open shots. They're committing a bunch of turnovers, especially in the end. They were committing a bunch of turnovers when they basically wet their pants. When the Raptors gave them a full core press which was kind of funny to watch, but ultimately it was a fake comeback because the Sixers had this win like from start to finish. Like The Raptors just did not play well at all. At all. And again, it goes back to that disorganization. Like, it's rare. It's really rare, but the Raptors didn't come in with, just didn't have a plan. It didn't feel like they had a plan. You know, um, I, I guess they, obviously, you know, they had an idea of how to guard and beat. I mean, the thing is, they should have had a good idea how to defend the Sixers, too, because they've already played the Sixers. They've already schemed against the Sixers. They practiced with the Sixers in mind. They had, like, what, two off days before this? You know, plenty of time to practice, whatever's on the road. But still, you had time to practice. You had practice. You're preparing for the Sixers. Or you're facing them for the second time. You should have a coherent scheme. But then when you go out there, like, when you watch the Raptors back, 
what was most frustrating about this game is just they don't know what they're doing on a possession-to-possession basis. Like, you know, uh, there was one play where they had James Ennis in the corner to end the first half, and two guys went to double him. And it wasn't even like a hard, aggressive, like, we're going to swarm you and make sure that you never get the pass off and that uh, we're going to get a turnover out of this. They were just soft doubling him in the corner, and James, it's like, it's James Ennis. Like, come on, what are we doing? You know, so it just, it, it didn't look right. It didn't look right uh, defensively. Um, they were they were very sloppy. They allowed a, allowed a lot of open threes, and maybe, you know, okay, the Sixers aren't that good of a shooting team in general, and they don't have Josh Richardson tonight. Maybe, you know, okay, maybe show extra bodies, but, like, that doesn't stop the fact that there was a lot of times where Ben Simmons was able to just turn the corner, drive down the lane, uncontested dunk. That's bad communication, and and really, that's bad execution in, in general. You should never allow a guy to get an uncontested dunk. Um, Joel Embiid, he, he got a lot of low, low post position against a guy like uh, Serge Ibaka, and, and I, it was strange that Nurse didn't uh, mirror uh, Gasol's minutes with um, you know Embiid's minutes. I remember in the first game when the Raptors played at Scotiabank and won, and part of the reason why they held Embiid scoreless is because the Raptors were so diligent in making sure that Marcus Saul played every single minute while Joel Embiid was playing. Like there was even that substitution late in the third quarter with like two seconds left. You know the Sixers are inbounding. They sub in Joel Embiid. All of a sudden, here comes Marcus Saul for just those two seconds, and he contests a three and forces an air ball, and people are going crazy. Like it was that level of dedication to match their minutes tonight. Okay, Gasol gets an early foul trouble because what Simmons. Uh, lurches forward while fronting in the post, and he gets a sympathy call, and Joel Embiid shoots a jumper, and Marcus Gasol closes out, and the replay shows there's no contact, but whatever, they give him a superstar call there. Okay, so he's in foul trouble, but, like, man, Embiid goes to the bench early, and he comes out to play with the Sixers bench at the end of the first quarter and the start of the second quarter. That's almost like an ideal situation if you're a Nick Nurse to uh, – gives it gives you even more of a reason, really, to, to mirror Gasol's minutes with – uh, and beats because all of a sudden now, because Embiid's playing that weird pattern, you also get to play a weird pattern because you got to technically quote unquote manage the foul trouble. But you know, Embiid, whatever, he's he's still a fraud, he still didn't have a good game. But nevertheless, man, it was just frustrating watching the Raptors tonight. It was very frustrating. They just, uh, execution was very sloppy, they were very slow, and um, yeah, it just it just wasn't there for them. Uh, you know, at, at least against the Heat, you could say they competed, they scrapped, they didn't. They you know they played from behind, but they stayed with it. You know, reasonable striking distance. They force overtime, and then whatever, everything you know goes to shit in overtime. You know, against the Rockets, same kind of deal. They, they fought, they played really hard. They have they had a scheme. Maybe it was a poor scheme, but they they tried to execute that scheme. And for the most part, they had a plan. Tonight against the Sixers, it just didn't seem like they had a plan. Like, you just watch back. Like, the offense was bad. The defense was bad. And, like, if the Sixers, honestly, if they were a respectable club, they should have beat them by, like, 40 tonight. Like, it was that bad for the Raptors. So, uh, it was frustrating. And, and really, the most frustrating part was, and I hate to say this again, but, like, yo, Pascal, where the hell was Pascal tonight? Where was he? Like, where was he? Okay, in the fourth quarter, when the Sixers were, again, pissing their pants because they can't deal with a full-court press for some reason, Okay, then all of a sudden Pascal comes in for a layup, a put back here. You know, oh my God, Pascal's playing with energy. Earned the game. There was none of that. None of it. Like, none of it at all. And the Sixers, you know, to their credit, they switched up the defensive scheme. Um, they had Ben Simmons guard, uh, you know, Siakam. In the first matchup, Siakam gets 25 points, makes a bunch of great plays, finishes out with that dunk. Emphatic, he had that block that led, you know, right before that as well. You know, Pascal had his fingerprints all over that Sixers victory at home. Tonight, 
on the road. You, you, I, I didn't even notice him. Like he was so absent from the team. And here's the thing: players can have bad games. I said this before. Players can have bad games. The number one guy, like you, just have to step up. You can even if you have a bad game. The offense doesn't work if you just like retreat and just sit in the corner and like basically play hot potato with the ball. Like it, it, it was concerning. It was even worse than the you know than than the what the 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 Rockets game and the Heat game because at least in those games there were moments where Pascal tried to take over against some of the tougher defenders. Whatever you know, at least there were spurts. Today, aside from the fact that the Sixers went soft because they went up twenty and Pascal got in for a couple of layups, there were no spurts from Pascal. The man just like. Didn't really seem that intent on trying to go for things, you know. And, and you know, so the Sixers switched up their defensive scheme. They put Al Horford on him, and they sent help with Embiid at the rim. And for the most part, Embiid sat near the rim all night. Didn't really guard Marcus All, who I think went scoreless. Um, a little revenge, I guess. Although it's it's a little easier to hold a six point per game score scoreless than a twenty five point per game score, but whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, like, okay, so Embiid sitting in the rim, it's it's tough defense. I'm not going to lie to you. It's very. I'm not expecting him to just flat-out embarrass Al Horford, you know, who's a very, very good defensive player, and he earned a max contract this summer. Like, yeah, it's tough. But at the same time, like, yo, it looked like Pascal just didn't even want it. He didn't even want to engage. And the thing is, if Pascal is not, like, just taking on his responsibility as a number one guy, then all of a sudden the offense is now, okay, it's it's just in flux. Like someone else has to step up and, and be the number one guy. And tonight that was Kyle Lowry. And in recent games it has been Kyle Lowry. Like Kyle Lowry stepped up, I thought, against the Heat. Uh, he forced a lot of shots, but, you know, he also created a lot with his sort of, I would say, general mania. Uh, and kind of the same thing against the, the Rockets. And tonight, I mean, Kyle was good. He, he, well, he, he was great even. 26 points, you know, five rebounds, six assists, something like that. But like, th- that's not bad. That's not bad. Um, but, I mean, it's just Pascal just – he just didn't want it. And, and the offense is not meant to revolve around Kyle Lowry calling pick and roll every single time and creating something out of that. Like, that's just not how the Raptors this year are built to succeed. And realistically, if we look at it not even long term, but even in in, in the short term – how many games in a row do, are you expecting Kyle Lowry to give you these 20-plus points and, uh, you know, 8-plus assists and, and be super efficient at, at his age, playing 40 minutes a night uh, and, and win a lot of games? That just doesn't seem sustainable, even going throughout the regular season, let alone in the playoffs, when we know, you know, no disrespect to Kyle Lowry, but we know that formula does not work with Kyle Lowry. It, it needs to be someone else. And someone else is supposed to be Pascal. Now, here's the thing. I want to be fair to Pascal because he's been amazing 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 he's you know what it is i almost think that pascal's a victim of his own success because he set the bar so high for himself you know coming into the year there were stouts remember when he signed that max deal people were like i don't know if he's worth a max deal i don't know if he's a max kind of guy and people were like well he is a max kind of guy or people were for the most part were saying we he will develop in time into a max level guy well i mean okay so those were the expectations coming into the year, but then Pascal starts opening night, what, 38 or 34 points with 18 rebounds, and he has multiple 30-point games. He has multiple 20-point games. He's hitting threes. He's hitting pull-up jumpers. You know, he's doing all these other stuff. The post game is still there. It's like, oh, wow, this guy really is a superstar. People start comparing his numbers to Kawhi. I mean, even I put out a tweet that was like, hey, you know, not comparing Pascal to Kawhi because I'm not a dumbass. Like, I know Pas- like Pascal is not on Kawhi's level, but I was just trying to illustrate that, man, if you look at it, Kawhi's production last season on the Raptors is very similar to what Pascal was just giving them right now, and at least in the numbers. And it was like, wow, big ups to Pascal for stepping up and filling this role. But right now, 
it seems like in the last couple of games, Pascal has really fallen off. I don't know if it's because it's against tougher opposition, because, you know, that is one reason why to explain it. But also, I mean, I don't know, man. The guy had a terrible game against the Magic, and that's not tough opposition, uh, at least not this season. So I don't know what it is necessarily. Uh, maybe it's fatigue. Maybe it's whatever. But I, I really do think it's a sort of our collective disappointment of Pascal is sort of, you know, uh, uh, just him falling victim to his uh, his own level of play because he set the bar so high for himself. We kind of just forgot that there was not going to be any growing pains, kind of forgot that, you know, it, it's a process to get into this uh, place where you're the number one guy you're counting on every single night. You're facing double teams. You, you, the scouting report has you as a number one item. They're double teaming you. They're putting the best defenders in the world against you. Like, it's it's not an easy thing what Pascal is being asked to do. And on nights like this where Pascal just completely disappears, it's it, – you know, it's easy to get on him. It really is. And really, it's not unfair to get on him because he needs to do he, – he just cannot stop off the gas pedal like that. But at the same time, man, um, it's something that I, I hope he can work through. If it's uh, if it's a fatigue thing, then that's something that Nick needs to work out with Pascal in the sense of what am I doing in terms of how many minutes am I playing you? Uh, and not even just how many minutes, but how can I get you some easier shots? That's one thing that really bothered me about Pascal in the last couple of games. What, what What's the easy shot for Pascal Siakam? Because teams are sitting on that post up like crazy. You're not you're not seeing Pascal just like get that post up. You're not seeing him get that transition layup. And, and to be honest, he's not even running the floor that hard um, in transition, which is also another sign of fatigue. So how are you going to get your points? Like, what what is an easy basket? What's an easy play to get Pascal a shot? I mean, like, and if he's tired, the jump shot starts falling. Then all of a sudden, you know, he's just trying to go to the paint. And, and it's not like his handle's that good that he can consistently break everyone down. So, you know, I would like to see the Raptors drop a couple more um, easier plays for Pascal to score. And if it's a fatigue thing, you know, Nick can look at sort of how is Pascal being used in the offense? How is he being used in the defense? Because a lot of times you're kind of expecting Pascal to grab every defensive rebound and then race down the floor and beat everyone down there and then block shots and then play 40 minutes and be the number one option. Like, that's a lot to ask for. I know Pascal is like one of the most athletic players in the league and his um, endurance is legitimately like, you know, uh, N'Golo Kante level. But like at the same time, like, you know, it, it just... It seems like, okay, he might be wearing down in terms of energy. So that that's one thing you can look at. I, I think you can also look at the fact that, like, you know, even on a bigger scale level, like, you kind of have to work as a team, you know, in terms of the coaches, in terms of his teammates, including, and, of course, his own personal support system. But you have to make sure that he doesn't lose his confidence. Because right now, it looks as if Pascal has not been confident in the last couple of games. Like, you cannot tell me that he's been a confident man when he's gone, what, 0-4 in the fourth quarter, uh, in in their losses to Miami and, and in Houston, right? He didn't even want the ball. He didn't want to demand the ball. And it's kind of the same thing. The same thing against the Sixers. He tried one or two shots early on. It wasn't falling, and he just didn't want the ball. And he kind of just stepped aside. And that's the thing. You cannot let this man lose his confidence. You just you can't. Confidence is a massive, massive thing for not just in sports, but for everybody. But especially in this case, you never want to see a number one guy lose confidence. You just because you just can't recover from that, right? And the difference is something like this is like, for example, in that Laker game, when they won on the road, Pascal wasn't having a great game. He was facing an incredible defender in, in Anthony Davis, who might as well win. Uh, it's probably the favorite to win defensive player of the year. I, you know, he's got LeBron gassing him up, and also he's been playing amazing. Um, so he's going up against Anthony Davis, and in that game, he shoots, what, like 9 of 25. Uh, most of his baskets come against Kyle Kuzma. Um, but, like... 
Pascal never gave up in that game. He kept playing. He kept being engaged. He made a bunch of defensive plays. You know, he, he made, you know, he, he just was there in terms of transition. He kept attacking, attacking, attacking. Yeah, his shot wasn't falling against Anthony Davis. Whatever, they figured it out. They got a switch. They got an easier guy on him. And then he kept shooting. He kept scoring. He kept staying involved. And that's the thing. Right? You can have a bad night when you're 9-25, whatever. But, you know, your team can still play off of that energy. You can still contribute defensively. And, and generally speaking, the structure still is intact because the number one guy is still the number one guy. He's just not making shots. But everyone else around him can still feed off of that. Like today, like when you just step off entirely, then all of a sudden the team is in flux. Like the team is not built for Kyle Lowry to, to be number one guy. Like I like that Kyle had a good game numbers-wise. I can tell you, though, the, the playmaking in this game was not good. The passing in this game was not good. And really, you know, it just it wasn't the offense. That's not the plan. So, um I don't know, man. I, I'm worried about Pascal. I, I really am. I hope, uh, you know, he's a young guy. You know, I, I hope he can get his way through this. It, it's a tough stretch for him, for sure. And it's a lot of things uh, he's got to learn. But, like, man, uh, ultimately, I, I do think that, you know, we just have to support the guy. Obviously, he's only been, like, you know, a couple of off games here. And it's a long way. You got you to keep some perspective. Um, but, you know, it's something you got to keep your eye on, for sure. I think we should continue to support him, obviously, but, you know, it's something you got to keep your eye on for sure. Uh, you know, I already mentioned Kyle Lowry stepped up in place of Pascal. Someone's got to be the number one guy, and tonight Kyle stepped up. Now, I also forgot to mention that, that Fred uh, went down the first half. Apparently, he had a uh, – he picked up a, a, a knock against the uh, the Rockets, and he uh, he basically, you know, decided to give it out today, you know, give it a try. You know, wasn't really that effective, and he came out of the game. It wasn't really a play that happened that seemed to really spark the injury, but – uh, Fred kind of just realized, like, you know what, I, this is not working. This is not feeling right. I got to get myself out of the game. And he sort of ruled out for the rest of the game. So Kyle not only did have to run the point guard position for most of the night, um, but, you know, also Pascal wasn't doing anything. So Kyle really stepped up. You know, he was good overall, 26 points, six rebounds, five assists, two steals. Uh, in 38 minutes, shot 50% from the field, shot 50% from three, got to the line nine times. It was great. It was great. I, I, you know, like it's it's nice to know that Kyle can still do this once in a while. But, you know, just like when you see in a game like, for example, you know, even last year in the playoffs, you know, against the Bucks, when Kyle has like 30 plus points in the first game and they lose in Milwaukee. It's like, well, yeah, that's not that's not how the, that's not how the game is supposed to be played. The, the plan is not for Kyle to be the number one guy, but at least Kyle stepped up tonight. He made a number of big plays. Apparently, he told a bunch of fans to try to fight him after the game. You know, obviously that didn't happen uh, in terms of like the fight, but you know, it's, you know, Kyle is pissed. Obviously he, he, he's very prideful guy. Raptors kind of got their tails kicked in Philadelphia in his hometown uh, before they made that late comeback. So, you know, whatever Kyle's got some emotions, whatever, that's fine. But ultimately Kyle played well. It's nice to see him play well. Hopefully Fred is not out, not out for any extended amount of time because Kyle's already had, uh, one injury so far this year. He's o- an older player. He's already overextending himself. He's taking a lot of contact. Uh, and this, honestly, the game plan calls for a lot of hustle and energy from all the guys that play. So uh, I don't want to see Kyle burn out uh, and, 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 you know, anything else like that. But it was nice to see Kyle perform tonight. OG really stepped up 19 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, four steals, a block in 35 minutes. I mean, he had, I honestly thought early in the game, you know, it, it was looking okay for the Raptors only in the sense that the rest of the offense wasn't going, but they only trailed by five after the first quarter. And I thought, honestly, OG kept them in the game because he hit two threes early on and he had this layup where this is this is my KFC play of the game. It happened in the first quarter where OG and Obi 
drives at Tobias Harris and completely outmuscles him. Now, now, Tobias Harris is not that small for a small forward. Like he, he's small if he plays power forward. Uh, and we saw that in the playoffs when Tobias Harris got to Pascal. Pascal would just roast this guy. Um, but when Tobias plays small forward, he's pretty big. He's like six eight. You know, he's pretty built. Um, you know, he's definitely not lacking for size as a small forward. But OG just like outmuscled him, pushed him out of the way, uh, and made multiple layups over Tobias Harris um, throughout the game. But especially early in the game when he had that little post up against him and just drove hard the guy and, and scored. You know, that really stood out to me just because like. OG, you know, it's always very interesting with him, right? Because he's not necessarily what I would consider someone you can guarantee baskets from. Like, there are nights where you can be an off night offensively. He's not knocking down shots, and all of a sudden he's a big negative, um, at least offensively. But, I mean, there's also nights like this when he has 19 points. Or, you know, remember that that that, uh, that game in uh, New Orleans when he had, like, what, 20-plus and he set a career high? There's just games where he starts showing you more and more of what he has. And and I'm really keeping an eye on that that drive game. So that was the KFC bucket of the game. But, like, in general, like, I just thought OG played with a lot of hustle, with a lot of energy. He really got into a guy like Ben Simmons. And Simmons had a good game. Like, he had, what, 16, 11, and 9. That's the prime Rajon Rondo game. So congratulations. Um, but, you know, like, OG forced him in a couple of turnovers. OG, you know, uh, had made some plays in the fourth quarter as well. And he was just steady throughout. He stayed engaged. He fought. And he battled. And, you know, it's a different situation. Uh, this game was not like the Rockets game or like the Heat game. But in those two games, OG was sat in the fourth quarter in favor of Norman Powell. Because, A, Norman Powell was giving them more offensively. And, B, I, I don't know, Kyle Lowry came back. So, someone had to get the short end of the stick. And it was OG. Um, and so, you know, when you sort of lose your spot like that, especially in the closing lineups, you want to see a guy when he gets that opportunity again to really, really respond. And OG today really responded. Honestly, I was worried that every single minute he wasn't on the floor because defensively he kind of fell off. Um, and you know, even offensively, like it kind of fell off, but, uh, OG was really good tonight, man. I, I, I really like to see what he's doing. And honestly, if you take a step back and look at the bigger picture, this is still a developmental year for the Raptors and OG next to, uh, Pascal and, and maybe Fred, uh, and only say maybe because Fred's contract situation is uncertain, but next to Pascal and Fred, OG is the most important prospect on this team. And he needs to play, not only for the success of the team this year, currently, but also in the long term. Because you want to at least see and grow all of OG Ananobi's potential. Because he might become a star, or he might become an incredible trade chip. One of the other ways. But as of right now, he's the team's best small forward. He's the best one-on-one defender on the team. Pretty good help defender as well. Guards multiple positions. He's unselfish on offense. Makes great reads. Generally speaking, quite efficient. And uh, he should close most games, honestly. I, I don't even know if I completely agree with Nurse's decision to, to close games with Powell ahead of them. At least in those two games against the Heat and the Rockets, Powell was hot in the fourth quarter. So, okay, you can maybe ride it out. But in general, I want to see OG ahead and, and closing these games. So I liked what I saw from OG. Um, you know, Mark, I mean, his job was to guard Embiid. And I already mentioned earlier, it was a little strange that he didn't mirror all of Embiid's minutes. But I can tell you that Embiid did not score on Marcus All. Uh, you know, you got him to follow him once or twice. Cool. But for the most part, Gasol still, uh, you know, owns a lot of real estate in Joel Embiid's head. So that's nice. Um, 
What else? From the bench, I mean, you know, Ibaka responded well late. You know, he made a couple of plays. Uh, he was really involved in those traps and, and showed a lot of energy. But I'm, I'm wondering, like, where is this energy from Ibaka earlier in the game? Because right now it seems like the rest of the team flies around, rotates everywhere, makes good decisions, and are super athletic and super energetic. And the one guy that's consistently slow, at least to the eye test, is Serge Ibaka. Now, the one thing I will caution to say is that Serge, you know, he has these moments, and he definitely has moments where he's really locked in, he's really engaged, he's blocking shots, and he's changing a game, just kind of like how, you know, Boucher did while while he was out, uh, while Serge was out. You know, Boucher stepped up and kind of played that role. Serge is capable of it, and Serge, honestly, when he gets to that level, he's way better than Boucher. And it just in general, I think he's better than Boucher. But at the same time, you know... Right now, with the Raptors as they are, especially because they trap and they they, they they play so much zone or whatever, they need a lot of energy from their big men. A lot of energy. And, and Mark is more sound defensively in terms of his positioning and everything else like that. But Serge, I need to see... I need to see Serge get to that level in terms of just the speed and the quickness and the rotation and the length. I don't really see it there. There's there's sort of the decisions are split second slow. Maybe he's still bothered by the ankle injury or whatever. But uh, honestly, the transition between seeing what Boucher did for them and seeing what Serge did for them right now. It's a little jarring just because it's so different. Boucher was all energy. Maybe the results weren't always there, but the energy and hustle was always there. And Serge, I know he wants to hustle. He's a team player, whatever, everything like that. But, you know, has not been that good. Honestly, I don't think the bench has had the same identity. And I also think there is a slight problem there in terms of Ibaka and Ronnie Hollis Jefferson sharing the backcourt together. Um, because I think, honestly, when Ronde's out there, like Serge is actually better suited as a floor spacer. So he's back to playing power forward alongside a guy like Ronde. And it's one thing for Chris Boucher to space the floor because, like, he's not really that good of a finisher and everything like that. And so he could go out there and bomb some threes and then crash the glass on the weak side, whatever. He could do those things. Serge, you're not really using Serge the best of his abilities if he's standing out in the perimeter spacing the floor while, you know, whoever runs the pick and roll with Ronda Hollis Jefferson, hopefully he can get one of those herky-jerky layups to fall. It's just not the same. And because Ronda Hollis Jefferson can't really shoot, although today he did his first three of the uh, of the season, congratulations, but at the same time, because Ronda is not a threat to space the floor, uh, and Ibaka is, it's, it almost forces Ibaka to play four. And I, I don't really feel like that that fit is, you know, quite there. Um, you know, along with when Bushi's out there, I think Ronde can definitely sort of be himself offensively. And right now with Ibaka, both those guys are kind of getting each other's way. Terrence Davis, I mean, I don't know. He made a really dumb foul. I mean, he's just got to stop fouling. But, uh, you know, he made a dumb foul against Mike Scott and the officials and then kind of compounded that by calling a flagrant because, um, you know, Terrence got into Mike Scott's landing space. Whatever, that's the rule. You know, that's the Zaza Patrulli rule. And honestly, that Zaza play in, inadvertently brought Kawhi to Toronto and, and, and Kawhi brought a championship to Toronto. So, you know, uh, I'm not going to be mad at that rule. But still, it was, a, it, was a, it was a bad play. It was a bad closeout, undisciplined closeout. Kind of lost track of how far he was from the man. Um, and so, that's when they got to cut out. But, you know, whatever. Terrence, I thought in his minutes as a backup point at 17 minutes, uh, six points, three rebounds, three assists. That was not bad. And then Norm, you know, it was weird with Norm because he, like, the Raptors didn't run any plays for Norm early on, and then he would suddenly get the ball in the middle of the offense, but like everyone else is disjointed. So then Norm would try to force something, and that's almost always when Norm gets into trouble when he tries to force something because he's not a good decision maker. Doesn't really make quick decisions. And then also he tries to hand the ball, but his ball handling's not that like tight. And so he had four turnovers tonight. 
it was bad. But I, I honestly don't blame it that much on Norm because, like, Norm is a guy who's going to feed off structure in the offense. And, then, and like I said at the top, there was just not much structure overall in this game. So, you know, it was a frustrating game, man. It's a real, real frustrating game. Um, you know, again, like, the Raptors made this comeback in the end. The Sixers turned it over, I think, like, seven times in the fourth quarter. Like, it was just – it was almost comical. Not almost. It was comical, actually. Because, okay, I was a lot of bad vibes watching this team. But at least, at least they made the Sixers. They turned it over eight times, actually, and beat with four of those. And uh, Matisse Thibel with three of them in the uh, fourth quarter. Um, so it was it was funny to see, like, the camera pan over to, you know, Brett Brown and him just looking uh, so annoyed at the team. And, you know, the faces of the Sixers, you know, who were like, what are we doing over here? We had a 20-point lead, and all of a sudden we can't deal with, like, a basic middle school high, uh, you know, full-court press with traps at half court. Um, but you know, ultimately the Raptors did not play well. They look very disjointed. And I said in, in previous shows and previous podcasts, like they got to find a new chemistry. They really do. Like, uh, it just doesn't really seem to fit. Uh, uh you know, and you know, ultimately it, it circles back to Pascal. Like he's got to lead the team. He's has to, has to, has to lead the team. The Raptors have to play through Pascal. I'm not saying they got to, like, feature him like he's LeBron or something. But, like, the, the ball has to move. But ultimately, the number one option has to be Pascal against a mismatch. And it just, you know, even if he doesn't always score, he needs to be aggressive. He needs to make the defense move and uh, create opportunities for other people. And Because the offense doesn't run otherwise. It's, we're not going to win a lot of games. If it's Kyle Lowry, you know, at, at the age of 33, running a bunch of pick and rolls with Serge Ibaka. Like, sometimes he can get hot. Sometimes he can win games for you, and we're like, man, Kyle Lowry over everything. And, of course, Kyle Lowry over everything. But at the same time, this is not where the team is right now. That's not where it's supposed to be. So, disappointing game from the Raptors. I think there's a lot to work on. And, honestly, the game against the Bulls, like, whatever. It's the freaking Bulls. Like, you know, if they win, whatever, that's the, that's the result you're supposed to see. Um, and if they lose, well, then all of a sudden it's a big issue. But, ultimately, that's a big game. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night because um, – you know, if the Raptors lose that game or even struggle for extended stretches in that game, then that's a real sign that something's wrong. Because, okay, you can at least rationalize against, like, okay, the Heat are a really good team and Houston's a really good team and Philadelphia's have a really good team. Maybe they just don't have the level to beat these teams, which I don't fully believe yet, but maybe that's one of the conclusions you could take away. But if you are all of a sudden losing the trash teams, and remember the Raptors are 12-0 against teams under 500, if you're all of a sudden losing the trash teams, then something's just really wrong. So I, I'm I'm curious to see how the team responds tomorrow. I'm sure they want to snap a three game losing streak. It's the it's it's a break in the schedule before they get to play Kawhi at home. Uh, it's going to be an emotional night, and, and you know the Clippers they're kind of unpredictable from a night to night basis. But you know Kawhi had like 35 tonight. It's a, it's a big game. It's a big game, uh, and it's a tough game. So you hopefully want to see the Raptors at least uh, put on a good effort there and not have any problems. So I don't know, man. Uh, tonight was not a fun night. I'll, I'll say that much. In terms of your three stars, number one star, I'm going to to OG Anobi. 19 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, four steals, a block in 35 minutes, eight of 14 shooting, two of four from deep. Uh, really good, really good two-way effort from OG Anobi tonight. Second star, I'm going to to Kyle Lowry. 26 points, six rebounds, five assists, two steals. Uh, multiple people that he challenged to fight him in Philadelphia. Uh, you got to love that, uh, that that energy inside of him. And then the third star, I don't, I don't even know where to go with this man because it's not Pascal, it's not really Mark. The man went scoreless. Uh, Fred, obviously, he left the game with injury. Boucher only played four minutes. Serge, I thought was just straight up bad. 
except for in the fourth quarter, he was good. Ronnie Hollis Jefferson had some stretches, but ultimately he's a minus 16 to 16 minutes. Terrence Davis made some dumb plays. Norm Powell didn't really affect anything. So I'm, I, you know, I guess I'll have to give it to Serge just because he did have a good fourth quarter. But like, ultimately, I, I don't know, man. That's that's not a very convincing star. In terms of Gerald Henderson Award, that's got to go to uh, Sixers rookie Matisse Thibel. Uh Coming into this game, uh, he was not really shooting it that well. He was averaging four points per game. Uh, his three-point percentage coming into this one was 40%. Word. Okay. Word. Does that include – maybe that includes today's game. Well, anyway, I, I you know, Matisse Thibel clearly wasn't a big scoring threat, but uh, he played a big role in this game. 20 points, three rebounds. Uh, two rebounds, three assists, three steals, a block. Uh, you know, everyone kind of already knows that he's a very good defensive player. Played four years in college. Was a really good defensive player then. And, you know, that's really how he, uh, you know, makes his effort and makes his sort of uh, living right now is playing defense. But today, offensively, he got a bunch of open threes pretty much on the same spot, the exact same spot, right at the break. Um, and, yeah, he just nailed a whole bunch of threes, five threes tonight uh, from Matisse Thibel. So, Cool, good effort for Matisse. And uh, in terms of your Pat Patterson award, man, I, I'm so tired of giving this to Pascal. But bro, man, as a number one guy, he was very lacking today. And don't look at the box score and say, "Well, he still has 16 points and seven rebounds, two assists, and a steal." It's not that bad. No, it was that bad. It was that bad. A lot of those were just like hustle plays at the end of the game. Cool, that's great. You, 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 there was aggression in the last three, four minutes of the game. But where was that earlier? Like, you know what I mean? Like, the Raptors wouldn't even have been in that spot if Pascal just performed not even necessarily like a great game, but just a game where he, because, you know, like, because it's not like the Sixers played that well, but just like a regular effort. Um, and it, it was lacking from Pascal. So he gets the Pat Patterson Award again tonight. It's, it's unfortunate. So thanks for, for listening. Uh, the Raptors play the Bulls tomorrow. So I'll be back to recap that game. But in the meantime, um, you know, enjoy. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like enjoying is, is kind of a weird thing to say because, um, you know, uh, I'm sure everyone will be panicking tomorrow. Raptors lost three straight. Uh, you know, their record against 500 teams is ass. Pascal looks like he's wearing down a little bit. Fred might be hurt. So people are going to be freaking out. So when I mean enjoy, I just mean like, you know, ultimately life's not that bad. Yeah, it's it's okay. These are games in December. The Raptors are still 15-7. and seven. Uh, Ultimately, they have a lot of time to figure things out. It was never going to be a smooth process from start to finish. It wasn't last year, and they won a title. So, uh, you know, just just try to enjoy your life. <laughs> but uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, thanks to KFC for sponsoring the podcast, and I'll be back tomorrow. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 